0: Wow, that is really strong coffee. I think I only put like two cups of water and it made enough coffee beans for like eight
1: cups. I'm not even drinking coffee. I have like electrolytes and water.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Electrolytes and water. Okay, and so it begins. Who drinks electrolytes and water?
1: What else do you drink electrolytes in?
0: I don't know, but just like that, just like electrolytes and water, that's all that you're drinking?
1: Yeah, it's like orange flavored
0: This is more like a like I don't know even like an intense espresso <laughs> <laughs> this, Oh no, we're being recorded. We're supposed to be talking about ones.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's our intro. <laughs> <coughs> <laughs> Welcome to your horse is not the problem. <laughs>
0: <laughs> with Sarah and Cat um, I, which I don't know how much intelligence you're going to be able to impart when you're having electrolytes and water in the morning.
1: Eh, it gets me going. I don't know. Okay. So, uh, yeah, the, your force is not the problem podcast. It's a loaded topic.
0: That it is a loaded topic. Um, but that is really why that is the topic because, uh. <laughs>
1: We like loaded topics. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's who we are as people. Um, so maybe let's start with some introductions for our many listeners that don't know who we are. Many listeners.
0: <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Start. You can start. Am I calling you Cat or Kathleen in this podcast?
1: Um, well, I wrote Cat on our logo, so I guess we're going with Cat. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm Kat, Sister. or Kathleen, whichever you prefer. But Cat is easier because nobody can pronounce my name properly. I am. What
0: do you mean, Katherine?
1: <laughs> Kathleen, you mean? Kathleen? Katie. <laughs> well, I had one guy in New Zealand. Just called me Sam because he said I looked like a Sam. He's also kind of a salty, so we'll leave it at. But I was Sam in New Zealand for a long time. Um. Anyway, I am the owner and operator of Bridewell Performance, which is a human-focused therapy and functional movement company focused to equestrians. I started this a few years ago. Sarah was actually in my first experiments in this, which is how we met each other. Um, and I started this because as a writer myself, I knew that there wasn't... Many resources for riders to uh, not only heal their bodies but improve their bodies and um, develop athletically and that kind of thing. And then I've taken it more the biomechanics route to help with functional movement and performance enhancement as well as pain because pain is a big issue in riders, as I'm sure anybody listening to this, all two of you will know. <laughs> um, most of us have experienced pain at some point, if not chronically. So that's a big part of rival performance as well as just improving performance for the the rider but also the horse which is where Sarah comes in
0: and that's me um so what I do is a lot of what Kathleen does on the horse's end of it so uh talking about um, um correct movement and functional movement that you're going to hear that a lot in this podcast but also the explanation of what that actually is but a lot of what I do is Physio, not physio, physical therapy and uh, a little bit of mental therapy for the horses, uh, changing, helping riders kind of change how they're seeing their horse move and uh, taking it from what's kind of the perceived way that we've been taught that that horse should be moving and functioning and the actual way that they should be moving and functioning. And I mean, you and I have talked about this a lot about how. People grow up and they're not people are not taught to move correctly from a young age. Like you go to gym class in high school and it's like, how much dysfunction can we teach these kids at <laughs> an early age? And we're we're passing that on to the horses. So when the horses are in that that first training session, that horse has is a two-year-old, which is a, a completely different topic. Um, <laughs> with the trainer is how do, do I compensate to make up for all of this rider's inadequacies? Yeah. Go. <coughs>
1: <laughs> oh, me had to cough and now I'm going to cough the entire podcast. <laughs> <coughs> um, yeah, humans suck when it comes to movement. Um, and yeah, like, it's funny that you, as you said, yeah, we're not even, we're not, we're taught how to move incorrectly. It's not even that we're not even not because we're born moving correctly, and I always say this: like if you look at a kid under the age of two, you're usually moving pretty damn perfectly. Like it's,
0: you're always being super creepy pointing out little kids that are doing like the perfect squat, and so now I see it and I'm like, oh my goodness, I yeah, I'm incapable of moving like that. Yeah, even
1: if true. I work really hard, <laughs> we lose our movement quality over time if it's not kept in like what human ages 2 to 18 is really thinking about upkeeping their movement quality, right? Like, that's not something we think about. It's the same thing when I go and rant on our breathing mechanics. Breathing is something we all do automatically but how often do we do it consciously? Like, how many people are, not like, 90% of people aren't breathing correctly, but they're still breathing, and it's the same thing with movement. Like, 90% of people aren't moving um, functionally, but they're still moving, like, they can still move. But then you look at all the statistics around chronic pain and uh, overuse injury and all those different things, and that's just in the general population. And riders fall into that because it's not like riders are still people, but um, yeah, nobody. That's
0: our next podcast. Riders are still people.
1: Riders are still people. <laughs> uh, some of them don't think that, well, but they're still. <laughs> but you're
0: you're 100 correct because it it. It's not something that's talked about um, and it's not in many industries' best interest to have people having this information. Um, And I mean, we won't get into the conspiracy theory behind that because that is not why we're here. Not today. (laughs) Not today. (laughs) But that's that's very obvious, though, when you look at, just ask somebody that experiences pain and the steps that they're going through to alleviate that pain. So what would be the main cause of the pain? It would probably be incorrect movement. That's not one of the steps that is being uh, addressed. That's never being addressed, incorrect movement. And it's the same thing that I'm seeing in the horse industry. Let's inject this. Let's feed this. Let's, oh my goodness, I can't even think right now. I changed the saddle. um, But does it ever come up? Hey, maybe the rider's... Body is causing this, and we need to look at maybe changing how this rider is using their body, and maybe the horse's movement is causing this because I don't think that in any scenario in the wild you're going to come across a four year old horse that has joint degeneration. Um, it, why would that happen? That horse would be cougar lunch almost instantly yeah. um, if, if, if it just got that sort of pain in the joint. So what are we doing to cause that? And I don't know why that's not obvious. What are we doing to cause that? I think it's it is maybe perhaps obvious, but it's uh, pushed under the rug because that horse needs to do that job. Because then you get uh, across people who say, "Well, if that horse isn't doing that job, then what job is it doing?" Yeah, it's in this best horse or this horse's best interest to at least be doing a job in pain versus no job at all which deems it useless, and then it's a hamburger in France. Um, that, that's such a stupid logic, because I think that we can do, we can perform with horses. Humans and horses can perform uh, at, high level, at high levels, um, pain-free, but it's going to take longer to get there. It's going to take a lot more dedication, a lot more work, and a lot more self-reflection instead of constantly saying which i hear a lot i mean you sit in any arena across the world anywhere any horse arena you sit and you listen in any language you're going to hear people saying my horse won't do this
1: yeah
0: my horse is being a jerk because of this
1: mm-hmm. okay yeah.
0: well what are you doing
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i like where you yeah i remember like even some of the first few and I excited when I started starting, like I remember at your place. Um and like watching some of the like not professional riders by any means, like watching <coughs> like you see the horse, like a horse looks like he's super hot and the rider's reacting to the horse being super hot or anxious or whatever, and the rider keeps blaming their riding on the horse's anxiety and the horse's spookiness and the horse's hotness. And it's like, okay, but what if he flipped that? What if we just chilled you out? What's the horse going to do? Because it's like, I know this horse on the ground and it's not spooky and it's not anxious. So what are you doing up there to cause this horse to all of a sudden be like trying to run away and trying to rush ahead and trying to whatever? Um, It's like, that's where even some of the human mentality comes in. It's like, we get so bound up and anxious and then we like tense up and then we wonder why our horse is prancing underneath us after the time. close both ways.
0: It goes, it totally goes both ways. Um, we, I was having this discussion with somebody, I think it was even yesterday. So yeah, good. Uh, this is really segued into a good conversation. Um, and the discussion we were having was, um, how the horse is a mirror for us and you and I were seeing that at Spruce Meadows last weekend at the North American, how when I was seeing a horse having difficulty in a certain part of the body, you were seeing that reflection in the rider in that same part. So that, that's the physical end of it. But then we can also look at the emotional end of it. If that person, and I mean, here we go into crazy zone. Um, if that person is blocked in a certain chakra, we could potentially say it's going to be blocked in the horse as well.
1: Yeah. And um, if you don't want to use like the alternative uh, term of chakra, you could say like blocked in a certain part of the body or a certain part of the nervous system
0: yes Um, you could because it's all associated
1: our nervous system is essentially all we are and that's where that yeah the people doing energy work and more alternative stuff like science is now proving that like it's just it all comes back to the nervous system and all the connections to the body but yeah it would definitely translate into exactly like the horse is always going to have to compensate
0: always And, uh, I think that why we're here, why we're doing this is to maybe bring to light some of this stuff and also answer some questions on, because I know a lot of people, I meet a lot of people. Why is my horse doing this? Why can't my horse do this? And like my expertise is approaching it from the horse's perspective. Okay. This is the pain that he's experiencing. This is he or she, um this is the um the pain the, the functional movement that uh is maybe being disrupted but then that's where you come in and you can say okay this is why that's happening um the rider is in this position and is having to uh compensate through here and rely on the horse um, and typically what it is is riders make up for their lack of balance or their lack of uh, conditioning by balancing off the horse's mouth. And anytime you balance off the horse's mouth, you're now no longer riding the horse from the hind end forward. You're having to uh, ride the horse from the front end back, which is going to cause the horse to have to compensate on the forehand and make up for that. And then we end up with um, navicular syndrome, Because it's, yeah, we could get into that. Go.
1: (laughs) Um, So you mean like how a rider rides more to the fork? Yeah. And uh, lack of conditioning, yeah. So that's definitely something I see across like all disciplines is riders just not being strong enough in their core body. So what I mean by that is um, like able to use their core properly, which I guarantee you 80% of people don't know how to use the core unless they've met me or somebody like me who's preaching the good word on the core um also riders tend to not ride through their hips so most riders that I see are pretty blocked in their hips and when I what I mean by that is that they don't know how to properly hinge their hips forward and backwards and then and then breaks from the core alongside that which leads to postural stuff in the upper body so if they aren't strong in their upper back aren't using stable for to shoulders then generally they're having to brace. Again, that leads to balancing on the horse's mouth. So they're kind of using the horse because the horse inherently has to be pretty balanced in its head and its neck, especially if it has a rider on top of them. So if the uh, rider isn't balanced through their posture, through their core body, so anything from the pelvis upwards, um, they're going to be leaning forwards, either falling forwards themselves or Gripping on the bouncing on the horse's mouth to keep themselves from flailing all over the place. Sometimes they still do flail all over the place, Uh, from my eyes anyway, and I'm seeing details. I'm not seeing exaggerated things. I'm seeing very tiny things most of the time. Um, And so that leads to um, them compensating on the horse and relying on the horse's balance for their own balance, which is an issue when you look at the horse, and Sarah will expect.
0: So this is something really simple because I'm, I know that a lot of times, like when we're talking about this stuff, um, a lot of people's first reaction is going to be, well, that's not me. Yeah. I, I've been paying a lot of money for a lot of years to be riding correctly. Um, we're not here to say that you're wrong or that the information you've got is wrong, but it's becoming outdated. Um, and the the outdated information, we've had so many transitions in the horse industry. Uh, they went from being something that, like, our, our form of transportation and our, like, way of making a living, um, and then they, I mean, they almost died out for a while there, and then it was only the rich that would have them. Uh, and then they've transitioned into a recreational animal, and now it's this, it's this bizarre transition happening right now, where they're almost transitioning out of a recreational animal again and into something else. They're u- being used a lot for um, therapy and well-being and uh, this whole enlightenment movement, helping people to see all of this. Um, where was I going with
1: this? Well, we started on the, like, how does a, a rider's compensation in an upper body and the floor affect? you took it in a different direction i'm okay with that
0: direction yeah i i was actually going somewhere else with the whole like where the body i was gonna talk about how how to check you know what it was it was because of the mental behind it um because so many people are are say are going to be saying uh potentially well no i've been spending money on this okay the outdatedness that's where i was going there we go we're back um just the the outdatedness and the information that we're getting Because the horse is no longer just viewed as a tool. Um, This transition has been happening and it's not just a tool anymore. Um, A lot of trainers out there, I mean, we've all seen it. You've got 60 horses in the barn so that you've got one that can make you a million dollars type of idea. Maybe that's an exaggeration. I don't think it is though in the jumper world after being in the jumper world for a weekend. um, That's definitely not an exaggeration. Um, So we're starting to definitely see the horses as more of a creature that has uh, a little bit more to it than just being a dirt bike um, where you can hop on and go and so we want to kind of open up that outdatedness of that way of thinking make the horse do it uh, just pop him in the mouth if he's not listening get some bigger spurs get a bigger bit all of that is becoming really outdated we want to get down to the intellectual end of how we can communicate with these horses so where I was going with that on that. so here is, number one, the first time ever in our podcast, a Canadian story. <laughs> um, and Canadian. I know where I'm going with this. so Kathleen, please explain to our listeners what a Canadian story is. Uh
1: oh, Well, you're both to experience one, and the best way to learn what a Canadian story is true experience. So Canadian story is a term that Sarah introduced me to not that long ago, but it makes so much sense, because Canadians do this all the time. Um, Canadian story that is essentially when you start on one topic and then come across something in a topic that reminds me of something else and then you have to tell that story in order for your topic to be making sense and then it continues on that stream so you like kind of branch off story and then maybe find another Canadian story in there somewhere and then you come back down to your original topic eventually and it all comes together. and makes Canadian bubble.
0: It, and it all makes sense. So we encourage you when going through your day, when this happens to you, to hashtag Canadian story.
1: <laughs> it makes it so much more fun.
0: It does. It turns it into something real. Actually,
1: can I go on a Canadian story on top of your Canadian story?
0: You can. That would be the that Canadian be way.
1: It does bring you like So oh shit, where was it going? <laughs> 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 fair word of the um okay, so Canadian story. I was gonna say, yeah, you're saying like Hashtag Canadian story when you catch yourself going on it. And that made me think of awareness. How awareness is such a huge piece of this whole puzzle. Because if you're going to be aware that you're going off in a Canadian story, hashtag it, hashtagging is going to also increase your awareness, which is the same thing I do with people when it comes to their posture and their body language. Like, every time you check your phone, you're going to check your posture. Every time you do this, you're going to tie it to checking your posture, checking your movements. Um, which is going to increase your awareness, which is going to help you improve how you're moving through your entire day and therefore how you're moving on top of your horse. And back to Sarah. That was my Canadian
0: story on top of her face. So to add to this Canadian thing, because you and I are going to be able to like banter back and forth, the American way is the interruption. And therefore we will not interrupt and if we do interrupt, I do, I, on your awareness topic, I encourage the Americans out there to, uh, I mean, give a shit for it. <laughs> because as Canadians, I would think that if I interrupted you or you interrupted me, it would be uh, followed by, and I'm sorry. Um, otherwise, it would not be the Canadian way. Well, I
1: think I um, would interrupt you and then you would apologize and then I would apologize. And oh, and
0: then we would start apologizing for a while. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Thank
0: you. laughs> okay. So anyhow, where I was going about half an hour ago was on the riding the horse on the forehand, um, ways that you can check, uh, because this is something you can totally check this. I see it every day. And just like what you were saying, the things that I'm looking at are not they they become in your face when somebody points them out to you. Uh, but until that point, um, they are very, they're subtleties. Um, so just looking at your horse's conformation, do they have more muscle development in the shoulder, uh, the underside of the neck? Um, and then typically, yeah, the neck is going to be very hard and the shoulders are going to be bigger. The hind end is when you stand back, it's going to look smaller than the front end. Um, what you're going to see is from the point of the hip to the stifle is going to be quite hollow. Um, so that is a lack of your quad muscles. You also could have some hollowness on the top of the hind end um, from like your sacrum to your tailhead area. That's your glutes. Um, now, a lot of the feeds out there are actually filling in all of those areas because there has been uh, a lot of people say, hey, my horse doesn't have any top line. So they go to a feed to fill that in. Well, that's not muscle, that's food. Um, that doesn't mean that your horse is now fit in those areas. They just have, the, the feed industry is very smart and they've seen that people aren't riding their horses correctly. Uh, so they have come up with a solution to make it look as though the horse has the muscle tone. But uh, when, you, when you check this, you, you will be able to see, you will definitely be able to see those hollow points, uh, points. When you're riding the horse, where does it sweat? If it's sweating neck and shoulder, but there's no visible sweat in the hind end, um, then you're obviously using the front end more than the hind end. Now, I'm not talking about butt sweat uh, because butt sweat is going to happen no matter what. It's hot in there. Um, just even when the horse is resting, it's hot in there. But uh, these are some really small things that you can look at and be able to to see how that horse has developed uh, when you're riding them. If and it feels like they're always balancing off your hands you're always balancing off their mouth is what's typically happening horses is having to balance off of you because you're balancing off of it and so it's the illusion that the horse is pulling on your hands well no the horse is actually trying to regain its balance Uh oh (laughs) you coughed and now I'm going to be coughing um
1: I would say to add to that, it's like, it, that's exactly it. And that if a, if a rider is typically having a problem with a horse that's pulling on them constantly, I would really be taking a look at what their elbow to hip connection is doing, where their stability is, where their stability is coming from, because chances are it's coming from like the wrong areas in terms of like, so instead of using a very active tall posture to just keep their stability, they're probably collapsing. Collapsing into a false sense of stability. I'll maybe expand on that in another podcast because I could probably talk for a whole hour on false stability versus true stability in the body. But that's likely what's happening in riders that they just have a disconnect between where their stability is coming from.
0: Yes. And that was one of the things that we both saw quite a bit of. Um,
1: yeah, especially with the high performance levels like the meter. A meter six, anywhere from a meter 45 upwards, you saw a lot of that. It was like, I don't know if the horse is just that strong and the, like it's forcibly pulling the rider forwards. I would say that probably happened in the 10% of the cases. But uh, yeah, a lot of it was you could just tell the rider wasn't very stable. Like they were just kind of like there somehow <laughs> staying on. But there was very little activity happening for the rider. <laughs>
0: So to go back to that, where that comment that you just made, um, that the horse in about uh, a small percentage of the horse actually just being really strong. Um, What I see in a lot of those scenarios is going back to a previous comment that you all uh, made about the horse, people saying, well, my horse is just always rushing or spooking. What I see a lot of times is those horses that are really strong and pulling the rider out of the saddle it is, those are the tough minded horses that are compensating and they do a really fabulous job of compensating at a super high level. And every once in a while, that rider just pushes a little bit too far. And that horse says, you know, get off my face.
1: Yeah,
0: And it's something that, um, uh, um, you see in every, in, like every industry, a lot of these horses actually really enjoy doing their job. And so you're gonna see them competing at a really high level and being really capable uh, and not in a functional way. Um, they're just that good. So how good would they be if what we're talking about was common knowledge? How good would they be if they never had to compensate to do the job that they love? Yeah. They they'd be unstoppable. They'd be completely unstoppable. Exactly. Um,
1: both of us pointed this out at when we were at Meadows a few weeks ago, it was like, this meter, this meter 30 horse, this meter 40 horse, or even this meter 10 horse, maybe they could be a meter 45 or a meter 60 horse. It should have be around if they were moving correctly, if the rider was riding the team. And how many horses yes. do you see, like, not reach their potential because of compensation going on in the, in the whole team, not just the rider, not just the horse? It, it,
0: it is the whole team. Um, it's, it's always going to be the whole team that uh, has to work together. You can't like a lot of, you can see some people, uh, get by at a very high level with not as much ability as other people, because they've got such a wonderful, talented horse. Uh, you can also see some horses that aren't that talented get by with an exceptional rider because that rider knows how to help that horse out. Yeah. So by educating riders to be that talented rider, now all of a sudden you don't necessarily need the super talented horse. You just need the understanding and the knowledge or to be working with somebody with understanding and the knowledge um, to be able to get you to some pretty high levels with a horse's pain-free because that's at the end of the day, that's what we're, we're really talking about is, you want the rider to be pain free. I want the horse to be pain free, and we both understand that for that to happen, we have to work together.
1: Yeah,
0: sure. What? I can't. Hear I can't you. hear. <laughs> I can't hear you. <laughs> now I can get hear close. You. Okay, good. <laughs> I was like, "What are you?
1: What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doing this, holding an
0: imaginary water there we go
1: <laughs>
0: now i can hear you um as we go through the the bumps of uh, our first our virgin
1: podcast it's okay we won't have that many listeners and it'll be even funnier when we have a bunch of listeners and they go back in time and listen to like the regression
0: <laughs> the regression
1: <laughs> of our quality.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How we stay on topic more at uh, <laughs> podcast two hundred and
1: five. Oh uh, yeah. Um yeah, no, it's all one big picture. But I mean, that's I think and that ties it up nicely because I think that's why this podcast is titled Your Force is not the problem, because the horse is that mirror dimension. So the horse has no chance no option but to reflect what you're giving it Um, that's why they're so effective in healing because they are just reflecting us and more often our inner selves not our like first level of um, presentation to the world they're going to reflect what's going on inside of us whether that be emotional stuff, psychological stuff or energetical energetical? made up a word first made up word of the podcast
0: (laughs) (laughs) so many (laughs) firsts
1: um uh, or like yeah energetic stuff and i mean that in terms of the nervous system pain uh suppressed emotions things we're not dealing with that's what the horse picks up up on that's why you can have days where um i mean i know when i was with my last competition horse i it would work both ways there'd be sometimes where i would be having a super crap day and i'd go to the bar and i'd ride and it, it would be a huge therapy session for me mentally it's just what I needed but there'd be other times if I went to the barn and I was having a bad day but I was maybe not having a bad day it's like I it's not that I knew I was having a bad day but like on a subconscious level I was just like being very stubborn if I went to the barn to ride in that sense and I this horse was not like a dramatic horse by any means but like he would be impossible to work with in terms of like he would just not do what I was asking he would just constantly throw things back in my face and Never in a dramatic way, but enough that it was frustrating me more and causing me to have to, be like, continue you know, going within, And usually it'd end up with me being super frustrated, And but then realizing why it was actually super frustrating and what was going on under the surface, and then moving on from there or not, and then bringing it back next time and still having to throw in place, but that's how things work. Uh, but, yeah, horses are always going to pick up on whatever is going on under the surface. And maybe sometimes they consciously choose what to throw back at us because um, you look at even those horses that are, like, the best teaching courses where they're complete dicks, or who, who know what they're doing, but they're absolute angels for an amateur or like a beginner rider or a child or whatever. Like courses are really smart; <laughs> they're smarter than we are in the subconscious level of things for sure. But they rely on us to give them something to reflect on. To
0: reflect on. That uh, <clears throat> yeah, that that's exactly it. It's the. Uh, your awareness to that is going to change how you ride. Because at the end of the day, what we want to accomplish with this is no bad rides. Mm-hmm. Um, no bad rides means no, like pain-free rides. And when you're riding your horse, if you ha- start, be, start having that awareness to, okay, I just had a really bad ride. Um, and this was what's happening. My horse... Uh, Let's say my horse is having a really hard time picking up the leads. Uh, He's when he's switching from left to right, he's tossing his head, he's pulling on my hands and um, he's offering to buck through that transition. Then that's the cause of your bad ride, let's say, but everything else is great. Okay. Now let's go back and look at this. What are you like in your body and in your balance? That's your topic. I would be looking at it, okay, what's that horse, what what problems is that horse having transitioning from that left bend to that right bend and balancing off of, you know, we've got that right hind coming through. Um, so if, if you kind of took both of our perspectives and, and looked at that, it would become really obvious to both of us, okay, this is the rider, this is what you're doing during this transition that's causing that horse to, to compensate, or this is the lack of, of muscle or, um, conditioning that horse has doing this maneuver that's causing him pain or discomfort, him or her to, uh, execute that. Um, this is, these are the exercises that both of you need to do to fix that instead of right now in the industry and not everybody, like I'm not, uh, saying everybody does this, figure it out idiots. Um, what I'm saying is be aware of it.
1: Figure it out, idiots. <laughs> Let's figure it out, idiots. <laughs> <Yeah, exactly.
0: laughs> That's what my verse says. Um, no, it, it, like if, if you're aware of that and you can start reflecting on that and seeing that for what it is, okay, now I have to just spend two weeks working, doing this. And if you were to ask me, I would typically say, okay, your haunches in is weak. You got to work your lateral work. Yeah, and how
1: hard a haunches is in is for most riders.
0: <laughs> yes that's why we have so many problems is because our horses are not flexible. Can you, so I always look at it. Okay. What sport are you doing? You're doing jumping right now. Okay. What if, if you're doing jumping and your horse is a board, um, they have very little, uh, mobility. Um, there's not a whole lot of flexibility in this horse. He just like, the rider runs him at the jump and he makes it happen because he's freaking athletic. Uh, what would happen if that horse was to start doing yoga? Like, he'd have so much more mobility through his joints. What would happen if that rider started doing yoga and wasn't stiff as a board?
1: But the rider could be doing, because when I see horses that are typically super stiff, it's, it could go both ways. It's one of two ends of the, the spectrum. It's either the rider is also super stiff, or the rider is hypermobile and can't control their own body, which Granted, would probably turn into, this is the whole false stability, true stability argument again, but this would turn into their body physically stiffening them up to protect it, protect the body itself. The brain will always protect the body. That's like like number one priority of survival, Um, which then would make them seem very stiff, but they're actually just hypermobile. So it could be one of two things. They're actually just inherently stiff or they're stiff because their body's creating some form of stability. I'm using air quotes for those of us who were just listening to the audio. (laughs) Stability in air quotes. Um, To protect the joints in the body.
0: Which, in both cases, is body awareness. They have a lack of body awareness. And when the rider has a lack of body awareness, the horse is then compensating for that lack of body awareness by stiffening itself. Uh, it's, it's always full circle. This just is, this podcast is going to be a lot of circles and then bunny trails, obviously because of our focus problems. Um, which I mean, this is for those of you that are listening, um, in those moments where you are getting annoyed at us for following us going down a bunny trail and like, Hey, can you finish that thought? I was really interested in that thought. Welcome to your horse's life. <laughs> bang on example your horse you're riding your horse and you're like in the moment and you're totally there and you're like okay it's three strides we're using jumping a lot as examples uh because we were just at spruce meadows so this is our thought process right now Uh, don't worry those western riders we've got some other stuff in there too um but so you're thinking okay there right there i did it again uh three strides to the jump and then all of a sudden you're thinking about i wonder what my boots look like from this angle, should I have polished them? What's my ass look like right now?
1: Can you see my like ass these right, white briefs.
0: <laughs> yeah, did I change my pad or my tampon? <laughs> like, who knows?
1: <laughs> Any male listeners? <laughs> <laughs>
0: ah, <laughs> but uh, no, those are and so then your horse is like, well, what the hell is going on? And then you, your approach is crap. The horse ends up, I like doing something unfavorable, uh, and then the, the next jump, you're both frazzled now. So it's, it's all about uh, a lot of what we're talking about, too. That awareness, staying in the moment when you're riding your horse uh, makes a big difference because those, those little bunny trails that you go down mentally when you're riding end up messing your horse up. It's, it's leaving empty space for that horse to insert their own... Um, own ideas and depending on what kind of horse you ride like if you're riding uh, a dumb blood then a lot of times their insertion is uh, continue on the track like (laughs) insert correct answer (laughs) an arab is not going to do that their thought process is going to be empty space how can we fill this with chaos Uh, a draft horse is going to be empty space how can we stop to eat grass um, like it, and I mean that those are broad, uh, very broad, but you know what I'm trying to say. It, it's that being aware of what our body is doing in that moment, but it's not just that it's being aware of what our mind is doing in that moment. Um, when we have that full, of... so, well, sorry, can, continue.
1: Our mind. <laughs> Do you mean we'd actually repeat it or you want me to expand on it?
0: No, I couldn't hear you, but it it sounded interesting.
1: Well, Um, our mind is our body. That's what I was saying. Our mind is, like, it's all one thing. So whatever our mind is doing, whether focused or unfocused or unaware or aware, that's exactly what our body is doing. Bang. (laughs) 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 But you go into that further, and it's just an extension of, like, So our body is a direct mirror of what our mind is doing, and our horse is a direct mirror of what we are doing. And we, an individual, is made up of the mind and the body, and the body, like I said, is a reflection of the mind. So it's kinda like mirror on mirror on mirror when you have a horse and a rider together. Because if a rider is not aware um, of their mind or their body, usually if you're not aware of your body, you're not aware of the mind. Like it's you can't be aware of your body and not be aware of it, and vice versa. Well, you can't have one without the other, I think is what I'm trying to say. So if a rider isn't aware in their being, then the horse isn't, like, That's why I think riding is so addicting, because it gives people an avenue to connect into some form of awareness, even if they aren't conscious of what that awareness is. This is getting reel down a rabbit hole, (laughs) but I'm just, this is what's coming to mind right now. Um, So I think what I started with this, this isn't even a Canadian story. I don't know what this is, but it's, it's all like if a a rider isn't connected into themselves, they're going to really struggle with performing well. But at the same time, the horse is so damn good at compensating for us. They will force us to connect on some level, even if it's not where we need to connect to. And then they'll compensate for what we're not connecting to as a reflection. But if we're not aware, we won't be able to pick up on that reflection or compensation. Which is where somebody like you and me together comes in to say you're completely ignoring this in yourself and then in your horse's body.
0: Which is what happens all the time. Yeah. Um, that's it is. I rarely come across riders that are, uh, and I'm sure you rarely come across riders that actually have a true connection with their horse. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that I even do to be truthful. Um, I feel like it's fleeting a lot of times because it is, uh, it is something for us to have that true connection. It is 100% in the moment, being present, awareness, yeah, and that's for all of our senses. Uh, being aware of our body, our mind, that horse's body and mind, um, the feelings that are happening with that. Uh, the I mean, the sounds can get into that. The absolutely everything is involved in that. Um, it's the the connection of the two bodies and the two minds to become one, and. Let's go into a different tangent. Um, you hear a lot of people talking about with the natural horsemanship, how that is what it is, is it's the true connection and the communication and the feel and everything combined. And that stemmed from a really good place. And it's just turned into a marketing. Um, and it, I don't even want that. <laughs> to go into. But um, for those listeners that, uh, and I'm I'm not going to start bashing it because there's definitely some good stuff in that. But what I see a lot as an equine therapist, and I'm sure what you see a lot as working with those riders, is the exact opposite of what that started out as. It is complete unawareness um, by doing the exercises and the tricks, uh, it puts so much emphasis on doing a trick that it's actually taking away the movement of the horse. Um, The horse is no longer in a forward frame of mind uh, thinking and the rider isn't. And by riding on such a loose rein um, without any connection, what I end up seeing a lot is these horses are completely shut off from the wither back. Um, because they're having to compensate for a rider that is so loosey goosey in the saddle and completely disconnected that, uh, they're carrying everything on their front feet. So if you were to do, uh, a medical study of sorts on uh, natural horsemanship courses, I would bet money that a lot of them suffer from navicular like symptoms. Um, because they, it, when I look at them, I see, uh, What's that called? The the measuring thing that does this? No, like a okay,
1: thermometer? with weights. Oh, oh, like a
0: le- not a level. A level? No. If you're weighing some flour in 1901, um, anyhow, <laughs> all of the weight distribution. It's about 80 percent on the front end and maybe 20 percent on the hind end Um, and they're all those horses are suffering uh, but they end up going inside of themselves because the there's so much of the awareness is taken away and so much of the communication is actually taken away because uh, it's uh, I mean not to be a jerk it's circus tricks Uh, it's dog tricks and it's circus tricks it's uh, I've had this conversation a couple times with some people how our horsemanship has gone back in time um, to a place where it's uh, it, it, it's forcing these horses to do these circus tricks um, that are they're not really good for anybody, um, and it, it's this false idea of communication and it's this false idea of connection. And not to say that the performance world is any better. Like the performance world, a lot of the times the horses, it's they're they're told to shut up. You don't have an opinion. You do your job, and because of this, you get your supper and your dental work and you've got a good benefits plan. But at the end of the day, you're a slave because you have to do what I say no matter how many inadequacies I have. So you're seeing it across every spectrum. Um, The the performance people are always bashing the natural horsemanship people, and the natural horsemanship people are always bashing the performance people. But at the end of the day, they uh, say that again.
1: They're doing the same thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. They're doing the same thing in different ways. They're both telling the horse, "Shut up."
1: It's funny because the whole time you were talking about that, I it just reminded me of this like rant that a uh, uh, friend of mine, who's pretty prominent in the yoga community, went on about like the yoga community and how so many people want to just go to like yoga has become like the new. It's like natural horsemen. like it's a new fad. Like it's, people aren't doing yoga to do true yoga. They're doing yoga because they want to go and, uh, again, air quotes, meditate in it for an hour and like zen out for an hour. But um, they're doing yoga to shut off for an hour where true yoga is really meant to connect for whatever time period. Can you hear me again?
0: No, it's good. Um,
1: I was like why are you holding up your doing?
0: <laughs> that that'll be my cue from now on when I can't hear you, I can't hear you. Um,
1: yeah, but I mean, it's the same concept, right where like people want that easy route to think that they're doing something good for them good for their mind, good for their body, good for all this stuff. but when it really comes to the true parts of what things like yoga should be and and I'm using yoga as an example, but I mean I consider... That same practice to be the same in meditation practice, using me. it's still awareness. That's all it should be, but people are using it to turn off their awareness because they want to just zen out. But it's not about zening out, it should be about connecting in. And I mean, I've gone to yoga classes and meditations before where I be I don't leave an emotional mess, but I go through emotional stuff the entire time because I'm connecting into what's going on under the but That's what yeah. it's, supposed to be. it's supposed to be a way to connect in.
0: And I, while you were talking, I also did not interrupt uh, and uh, thought of something. I just had to get up and get a book. Um, the Miracle of Mindfulness is uh, a book. I can't pronounce his name. He's a, a Vietnamese monk. Um, have you read the book?
1: No, shockingly. Oh, that guy. I know that guy. Well, I don't know that guy, but I know
0: Okay. So anyhow, in this book, I'm talking into my phone when my phone doesn't have the microphone or microwave. um, Maybe it does. Uh, In this book, he talks a lot about mindfulness in all areas of life and exactly what you're talking about, how people will go to a yoga practice for that zoning out. Mindfulness is something that happens every day, all day. Uh, So in the book, he talks about how one of the worst inventions ever was the dishwasher. Because washing dishes is the perfect moment for that mindfulness to just only be in that moment washing those dishes and ensuring that those dishes are clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do, all of the inventions that we've got today take that away from us. So, and, and because of our phones, we never have to experience boredom. We never have to be in the moment if we don't want to. Um, and this is, I mean, this has turned into something completely off. It's on track though, because the whole idea of the horse is not the problem is talking about how far we've strayed from our potential and how the horse is trying to tell us that, um, and trying to point out our flaws and help us find our true self Mm -hmm. and, Maybe that was a little bit too deep. Maybe some people weren't ready to hear that. No, I but
1: think that's exactly it because that's exactly what we talk about forever, and I think that's maybe a good note for us to end because we're going on close to an hour now, which
0: that's is pretty solid. solid.
1: So a lot at people. So
0: I think that yeah, that's a good place to end because now we can leave people with the uh, not the homework, but the challenge of be mindful. Mm -hmm. go through your day, be present. Don't pick up that phone. Or when you do pick up that phone, do is what you say and uh, check in with your body, check your posture. Where's your head at right now? Where's your body at right now? And just by doing some of these little tiny tricks throughout the day, um, see how aware you are. And then the next time you hop on your horse, pay attention to what they're trying to say to you. Really pay attention. If you're having trouble with that lead, why? Yeah. If, you, if he pops his head up in something as simple as a walk-to-trot transition, if he's popping his head up, why? Just ask yourself.
1: Start asking why.
0: <laughs> Just start asking why. And then check back in with us to figure out the what. <laughs> yeah. And then the how to fix it.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, on that note, we'll leave you with that challenge, the trying to connect in challenge and uh this has been the your horse is not the problem podcast and we'll see you next time i'm gonna stop recording now. <laughs> uh, it's recording stop